Christ. It's about a time and a season of equipping in the body of Christ. I'm talking, this is my message right here. My message is practical for you guys this morning and prophetic for you guys this morning, for all of you. But we're going through an equipping season where God is putting on new levels of armor, new levels of weapons for the body of Christ, for the warfare that we're facing. When we come in here and we worship and we see breakthrough, we're like, oh, that was amazing this morning. And a lot of us aren't even aware. It's like, what was amazing? Oh, we fought real hard. We had wars. Some people got bloody, but we got free. Like, that's warfare. And we come out, we're like, church was awesome. Rah! The glory of God is on me and a little bit of the enemy's blood. But I felt like this. So I, I know when you go places, you see people's injuries. But this was different. This was beginning to see their hearts uh, as you go. Uh, and God kind of highlighted Arberia because this has been, you've been in this kind of lane of that for a minute, but you have not been in that lane. And God is saying uh, that there's a season where he's changing and shifting some people. And there were several hands and the ones on Zoom. Um, where God is shifting you to begin to see the heart of others. We're in a season right now where we don't need to war over behavior. We need to war for their hearts. Pastor Ren. <laughs> I'm going to say that some of you are going to laugh. Pastor Ren, you don't preach on sin enough. <laughs> I feel like I do that a bunch. I'm a toe stepper stomper. Some of you don't have toes anymore. You just have these flat pancakes where toes used to be. <laughs> I've had some great compliments. One of the best I had, I think I said this before, one of the best I had was when one of our people came up to me on Sunday and they said, I just got one thing to say about this morning's message. She just looked at me and got real close and said, get out of my business. I'm like, all right, I did good. Okay, I see. All right, all right. <laughs> so I feel like I step on toes. Hang on one second, I'll let you. I feel like I step on toes a lot, but one of the things I never want to do is talk about sin, about the condition of someone's actions and not address the conditions of their heart. I can't shift someone's actions if I don't shift their heart. It doesn't matter if you do the right thing if you don't know the right one. Having a form of godliness but denying the power within to act holy and not be holy would be a mistake. And so from this pulpit, I will always address your where is your heart before I worry about your action. Once your heart is lined up, we can deal with the action. Yeah. You were addicted for 20 years. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So God has just highlighted a lot of people today that this all, the, the numbers make sense for. It's coming into a full circle. So you were married on the 20th. You were addicted for 20 years. You've been free four years. Wow. So it's amazing how God speaks and can weave it into so many people's lives. Give me, you know, God knows he's like all of these things intersect. 
That's some detail stuff for it to come together that way. I try to give stuff that pinpoints. I can't do much more than that, guys. Shut up, Akiti. You were 24 when you got married. Of course. Is there anyone here that didn't get married at 24 or on the 24th? Anybody? Okay, we got a few. All right. This word is not for you. Everyone else. Wow. <laughs> I just feel the presence of, of the Lord stirring. Chris, I'm, I'm just going to stay on this for now. I, why is the Lord stirring so much? Look, there, there's something shifting in you right now. Holy Spirit, would you just pull on the hearts of those that you're shifting in the room right now? There's a shifting that's happening over you right now. There's a calling to hire that God is calling. I felt like this morning when I was reading the word and I was talking to the Lord about what Paul went through, something stood out to me that was um, remarkable. It was the story about Paul and when he was to head to Jerusalem. The Word of God says, let me just summarize this for you. Paul has an inkling to go to Israel, uh, to Jerusalem and he has a warning from the saints around him that say by the, by the Spirit, they were led by the Spirit, don't go to Jerusalem. That's what it says. By the Spirit, they, they said, don't go to Jerusalem. It doesn't say the, the Lord told them he'll get arrested in Jerusalem, and so they said, don't go. It says, by the Spirit, they said, don't go to Jerusalem. And Paul refuses their advice, their counsel. So did they not hear from the Holy Spirit or did Paul not hear from the Holy Spirit? But it says that there were daughters who were prophetic and next the daughters began to prophesy. Leave that up. The daughters began to prophesy. And they prophesied to him and said, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, they will arrest you. They took his belt and they tied his hands and they said, to whom this belt owns will be bound in Jerusalem. Paraphrasing the story for you. And so their advice was, don't go. The problem with that is that we learn something about prophecy and its interpretation. Is that the first group of believers, they receive the same word as the, as the daughters. The word is, if you go to Jerusalem, you'll be arrested. So they perceive and interpret that word to mean, don't go. So what they deliver to him is don't go to Jerusalem. But what the Holy Spirit was speaking specifically is revealed to us by the daughters. There's a lesson here. To the daughters, it was the one who has this belt around them will be bound in Jerusalem. They are going to arrest you. What does Paul do? He goes to Jerusalem. Why? 
because he understood there is a difference between the word and its interpretation. He understands that just because he is to be arrested does not mean it's not in the will of God. And while they care, while they are trying to protect him, he understands this is what I am supposed to do. So sometimes we can get lost in translation. We can misinterpret what God is speaking. And the, the daughters speak the word that only God has given exactly without interpretation. If you go, you'll be arrested. And Paul says, that's perfect. Paul says, that's perfect. Why is that perfect? Because I think that Paul had a deeper understanding of his calling than many of us do. I think that we're in a season right now where God is saying, are you willing to pay the cost for following me? In America, we don't really understand that terminology. We don't understand that significance. When I go to Pakistan, I understand the weight of what I'm asking. When I stand in front of a crowd and say, I want you to give away everything and follow Jesus. They're not giving up bad habits and Sundays off. They're giving up family. They're giving up friends. They're being ostracized and outcast from the community and potentially martyred for their belief. They're saying, even if it means death, I'll say yes to you, Jesus. We don't readily understand that language, so how can we accept less and understand Paul in this moment? Unless we understand the serious and significance of what Jesus calls us to. There are birth pains right now that we are in in our country. Birth pains of us beginning to understand what it means to really lay down our lives for the gospel. We're, we're in a season now where here in our country we don't lay down our lives, but maybe we're starting to lay down our reputation. We no longer are of good report. People mock and make they make fun of. They don't martyr, but they make fun of. We're accused of being cruel or mean or unloving or unjust. Or, and I'll return to that. But we don't understand the martyrdom, but Jesus in Mark chapter 13, they ask him, what will be the sign of you coming back? What will be the sign? What will be the time and the sign? And, and let me tell you this. As I was preparing for this morning, I got caught up on one word for over an hour researching just one word. I'm not ready to release that. Maybe I'll do it at a Bible study. But it caught me for over an hour and it changed the way I view these scriptures. And I'm so grateful that I don't know everything about the scripture yet. I'm so grateful that when I read the word of God, I don't come to it with, I'm the all-knowing pastor. But that God still has me in a place of revelation. I'm so grateful that his word comes alive every day. And Jesus says to him, you'll see the great buildings. Not one of the stones will be left here upon another. Every one will be torn down. 
as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite Temple, Peter, Jacob, and John, and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us when these things will happen. What will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? Now, I want you to understand he was teaching that things were about to happen, and they pull him aside privately. Okay, you didn't tell them, but tell us. And Yeshua began to tell them, watch out that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And he will lead many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. For this must happen, but it's not yet the end. Every time someone, there's going to be a war, everyone starts talking end times. He says, not yet. Stop thinking every war means the end times. That's what he's saying. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. And there will be famines. These things are only the beginnings of birth pains. Watch out for yourselves. They will hand you over to the courts. And you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness to them. The good news must first be proclaimed to all the nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you will say. Say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speaks, but the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. I have a working theory I might be wrong but I'm right that Paul understood this very well see it says that there are two people that Peter and Paul both when they got their assignment Jesus came to them and said Paul and Peter come let me show you all you must be blessed by suffer for my namesake see I think Paul already knew what he was going to suffer I think he was prepared so when they said if you go to Jerusalem they'll arrest you he said yeah I know I know what are you doing so Paul doesn't mind being arrested why because he heard the promise of Jesus these things must happen before you will stand before governors and kings look at Paul's life he gets shake loose out. He praises God and the prison doors come flying open. Does he leave? No. He waits. Then the city officials send word and they say they can go. And he's like, nah, send the city officials down themselves. Why? Because he's angry? No, because Jesus said, you will stand before them. You will go to court. You will be beaten in synagogues. And Paul was. You will stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness to them. I believe this was the mandate of Paul's life. That the suffering got him into places of sovereignty. Into kingdoms. Into authority places. And he was willing to suffer if it meant a way in for the kingdom. He didn't care about what happened. You got to beat me in the synagogues, jail me, and then put me before the governor. Let's go. If I have to be beaten first. Paul had all kinds of opportunity. It says that they beat him and they throw him in jail. And then he's like, hey, by the way, do you do this to all Roman citizens? And they're freaked out. You're a Roman citizen? You think maybe when they pulled out the rod and they pulled back, he might be like, I'm a Roman. That might have been a good time to announce that. He doesn't. Why? Because of the promise of Jesus. I know I've told you about Paul before, but because of the promise of Jesus, I have. 
what does he do? When he goes to Jerusalem, he can get let go. In fact, the leaders there are upset because he calls and petitions to see Caesar. And they're like, we're going to let you go. He's like, I want to see Caesar. It's like the man was looking for an opportunity to invoke his citizen right to stand before Caesar because he had an ulterior motive. He didn't care at all about his life. He wasn't interested at all about his safety. He didn't care about his reputation in the city. He didn't care about his identity and how he was seen. He didn't care about his social media following. He didn't care how many likes he got. He didn't care if he was accepted in the society, and he didn't even care if he was accepted in the mainline church. He challenged Peter. He came against the church in Jerusalem because they had fallen into legalism. Lord, that I might be a Paul, that I would be appalled by legalism. That I would be bold to say something before my brothers and sisters fall in to a trap and a snare of the enemy. Not caring what it costs me as far as my reputation, that I might boldly stand up for Christ. So he goes before Caesar. Why? Because he took this seriously. You will stand before governors and kings because of me and as a witness to them. The good news must first be proclaimed to all the nations. Jesus, I want you to come back. See, Paul was under the belief. He believed that Jesus would come back in his day. It's clear from Scripture that that was his deeply held belief. I think he's coming back in my lifetime. Well, how could Paul have missed it? Some of you in this room are prophetic. You think it's going to happen with you too. You're sure. If I take a poll right now, a lot of your hands are, oh, he's coming back. He's coming. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying you believe that. Paul believed it too. Jesus come back in my lifetime. And he had a mandate. You will stand before governors and kings because of me as a witness to them. The good news must first be proclaimed to all the nations. Then I got to go to all the nations. And you know, nobody's been to Rome yet and told Nero, told uh, uh, the, 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 the king of the world yet about Jesus. Nobody's gone and told this Caesar about Jesus. So I better go or Jesus can't come back. He understood that if Jesus was coming back, all the nations needed to hear and Paul was going to go to as many of them and get beaten and flogged and tell the officials. If that's what it takes, Lord, here am I, send me. That I might have the conviction of Paul. That I might not be the kind of believer that won't stop for the one because they might think I'm weird. Lord, would you give me a popular message? Would, would you just give me the you're about to receive so many blessings you can't handle it message? You're going to need four hands to carry all the blessings of the Lord. What do you give me? You give me the hard message that says this. How far has the remnant fallen that we won't approach the one in front of us because they might not beat us, flog us, 
imprison us or martyr us, but they might think this stranger that we'll never see again is weird. That that is the level that causes us to cut off from the promise of Jesus coming back. Lord, that I would not be the reason you can't come back because I haven't said enough. Because I haven't proclaimed the gospel to those I'm in front of. And when you say, well, Pastor Rennie's talking about going to all the nations and we've, we've preached the gospel to the nations. Do you know we have a generation in America, an entire generation, that the majority of the youth today have never heard about who Jesus is. They do not know who he is or what he did for them. They have no idea the story of Jesus. They think church is a place where you go to be a good person. They've never heard of the grace of God before. They've never heard that Jesus died for them to make them a good person, not so they are a good person to come. They know nothing about Jesus and his love. They don't know the stories. They don't know about Noah's Ark. The assumption that this nation has heard needs to be wiped away lest every other nation know and we've forgotten that I would have a room full of Pauls that would say what the cost is as long as it's mine I'll pay it they can call me weird as long as it's my assignment but I will stand in front of kings I'll stand in front of governors and I'll declare God is good and he died for you he rose for you and his love is for you and that I wouldn't shrink back because of their position, their accusation and their opinion. Oh, that I might trade the O's. The opinion of man for the obedience of God. Oy vey. That's the Jewish Hebrew word for woe. Woe unto you, oy vey, that I might trade the oaths and be obedient rather than the opinion so I don't receive the oy vey of God. That I would not tolerate the abuse of the church. That I would not tolerate the complacency of my own heart. I don't know what it looks like for you to follow God. I don't know what each one of your call is, but I believe that my word this morning was about Him empowering you for more. And this is the word that tells you why it's important that you listen. Look, I want more. I want more. I want more. Will you use the more? I believe that's the word of the Lord this morning. I'm going to get more. God has promised me more. He prophesied more. Give me more. Let me see people's heart. Will you reach and save their heart? Will you grab out for their heart when the Lord shows you the brokenness? You know, the more scared I am when I approach someone, yeah, I get nervous too. Oh, sure. You want me to go talk to that person? Oh.
the more nervous I am, I don't know if this is going to land. I don't know if they care. Man, it's usually like that person will usually begin to cry and say, thank you for seeing me. I felt so alone and unseen and you saw me and God saw me today. And every time I walk away from those moments and I have a repentant heart, I'm like, God, let me get over myself for half a second and just see the person. Forget me. As long as I'm nervous, it's still about I. My eye is still on this guy. Let me see you. Let me be like Paul, so committed that you would say, if you go, you'll suffer. And I'm like, perfect. Perfect. I'm not concerned with that. I'm concerned with his will. I'm concerned with being obedient. Paul's whole mission was to get to to Caesar. Claudius, right? I I I always want to say Nero for some reason. That's the next Caesar. It's the one that eventually does receive the gospel, is Nero. And what's interesting is it doesn't come by Paul. See, because I believe that this was the church's mentality, that this promise of Jesus that was laid out in Mark 13, that the entire church had adopted this because after Peter and Paul are martyred by Nero, Fotini, the woman at the well, she actually sells to Nero. After Nero kills them, she's like, sounds like a good time to go to Rome to me. Caesar. It was Nero. It's Nero. At this time, it's Nero. And she brings the gospel to Nero by demonstrating the power of God in her martyrdom. I won't go through the whole story, but she's brought, she actually goes and finds him. She lands in Rome with so many people that it creates a stir. She lands a ship. She has a church, first century church fathers wrote about her story and preserved it for history. It's not in the canon of the Bible, but it is historical, historically recorded that she had a church in Africa and she sailed up to Rome and her and all of her people got off that she led and they called her an apostle. First century church did. And she went before Nero because he was looking for her and she said, here am I. I created such a stir in Rome when I landed. And it says that he he literally had her and her family beaten and flogged on their hands with iron rods and became so frustrated because when he would beat their hands, they would receive no wounds. And as many times as he beat their hands, they received no wounds from that. And eventually she's through a progression of him getting more and more angry over weeks. She's eventually martyred, but not before Nero sees the miraculous hand of God for himself. So God would sustain her from injury and then martyr her? She went there knowing she was going to die. I'm going to give you a cultural reference that maybe will make sense to you. Um, Me and my son were watching the last 
Lord of the Rings the other night. If you have an opinion, that's okay. But we were watching it, and something struck me in that we, me and my son were discussing it. That in the last one, the good guys against the bad guys, that they keep going into battles that are insurmountable, that they simply cannot win. You have the, the, the Rohan riders, they, they, they come and they charge the enemy. But before they charge, they say like, hey, today's the day where our shields get splintered. But it's not the day man ends. We may end, but man won't end. And they scream death. In other words, we're, we're going to fight and take as many of you with us, even though today's the day we go. They charged in fully believing we are out man. We will not survive this. And they go anyways. And somehow they survive. So then another threat happens and they turn and they're like, what? let's go die over there then. And they charge again. And somehow they survive. And then finally, they, if you know the story, Frodo has to drop off the ring. And he's not there yet. And so they're like, well, we, 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 uh, we won. So that was shocking. What should we do? Should we fortify the city? Should we hunker down? Should we repair and rebuild? We should go give Frodo more time. Let's go die over there. And they march to the Black Gates, to the enemy's place. So the enemy has come at them. They've survived it somehow. And they say, we should go take the fight to the enemy and distract the enemy and give Frodo more time. And so they march and they pick a fight. And they're like, maybe we'll give him enough time. Our death will buy him time. And there's this moment in, in the movie where the little dwarf, Gimli, looks over at Legless the elf. And he says to him, I never thought, if you understand the dynamics is, those two people didn't like each other. In the, They, they weren't fans of each other. The, 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 the race of people. Right, dwarves and elves didn't like each other. So he looks over at him and says, I never thought I would die next to an elf. And Legolas looks over at him and says, how about next to a friend? And he says, I, I can do that. And they charge at the enemy. And somehow, they survive again. But the moral of the story, the lesson in it, is not that they survive. It's that they couldn't care less if they did. They were fully committed to giving their life for what they believed was right. What they believed. They were fully committed to giving their life to give their friend another minute. One more minute, one more chance, one more opportunity to see the enemy defeated. They were fully willing to give up everything and they expected to. The disciples were like that. They were fully willing to give up everything and they expected to. And Fotini goes there and it's like as long as he sees the power of God, 
and Nero encounters the power of God. And we read church history about Caesar's martyring Christians and literally stories about them martyring Christians, but then all these stories of saying that one, we tried to burn and he wouldn't burn. You know, there's actually recorded history where the Caesars gave up trying to burn Christians because they were they were flame retardant. He, fled, he fed them to the lions because they wouldn't burn. Why would God cause them not to burn and then let the lion eat them? Isn't that a Daniel thing? Then he'd make the lions lie down and the goal was not to keep them alive, but to show the power of a living God. And a few hundred years later, Rome would convert, starting with the Caesar. The Caesar would convert and see it. I wonder, I just wonder, I wonder if he read all those stories given to him by the previous Caesars, how to deal with Christians. Don't burn them, they don't. Don't flog them with iron rods, it won't hurt them. But in order to put to death a Christian, you must follow these simple steps. I wonder how much of the stories of the frustrations of the previous Caesars trying to eradicate Christianity but being thwarted by the miraculous signs and wonders of God had an effect on each different one to the point that the nation bowed down to Jesus. Not a single one of them seemed to care about their own personal outcome but that the outcome of heaven would happen. So I'm not asking you to give up your life this morning. I'm not saying any of that kind of stuff. We don't live in that society. All I'm asking you to do is ask Holy Spirit, is there convenience I need to give up? Because here's what he's offering you in exchange. There is a level up coming to the body of Christ. There's new weapons, there's new armor. And what do I mean by that? Put that practically, Pastor Ryan. God is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry right now. That you will get to witness some of the greatest miraculous signs and wonders and one of the largest harvests that's ever been seen on the face of the earth in this season, in your lifetime, with your eyes. And you get to be called to be a part of that. Isn't that good news? until it means your opinion is going to be on trial. I want to see it. Do you want to participate in it or just watch and bystand? Do you want to watch it as others do it or do you want to participate in it? I'm giving you an opportunity to be a part of that history, to be a part of what's written about the move of God. And it comes with us just saying, God, I will put on the warfare, I'll put on the weapons, and I won't care about the cost, I'll care about the cross, and I'll follow you, God, completely. Would you make us a generation of Pauls that says, God, if you speak, I'll obey. Go to Jerusalem. Well, it means suffering. Amen, I'm in. It means blessing. Amen, I'm in. I'm okay with either one. 
Pastor Rand, are you trying to say that if we accept the call, that just means solid suffering? No, you might never see a day of it. You might never see a day of it. All I'm asking you to do is be okay with whatever God gives you and your portion. Oof. I know, right? But I'm going to end it on a positive note. Here's what I firmly believe. That in order to see the advance of the gospel, it means that the church is going to have to rise to a level of power and authority that we have not yet seen. I'll release more next week about the word that God has given us for us in this season. But the church as a whole is going to level up to a place of position, power, and authority. We're going to begin to come into a place where the body of Christ, not just the pulpit, is powered is plugged in and is purposeful. And it means that God's going to give you favor in many situations. He's going to give you favor and finances in order to see the kingdom of God advance. Because if we're going to go into all the world, it takes resources to do that. Amen? I'm not going to get up here and give a begging message to give more so we can go into different nations and stuff. I'm going to see God bless you to the point that your giving increases so we can go into nations. That's what I want to see. I don't want to guilt anyone into giving more. I just believe that God's going to give more. I believe that favor is coming. I saw favor this morning. I see favor coming now. I see God just blessing people so that we can be equipped. So there is a blessing that comes attached to this. I don't want your heart attached to the blessing. I want the blessing attached to your heart, not your heart attached to the blessing. See, when your heart is attached to God, God can attach good things to it because he knows it won't corrupt you because your eyes are on him, not the blessing. The blessing is a tool, not your focus. It's not your, it's not your prize. It's not your treasure. He's the treasure. The blessing gets you to dig. The blessing gets you to the treasure that we might have the resources to buy the field where the treasure is hidden. The kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field and a man sells everything he has to buy the field. God will give you resources to buy the field, to chase after the place that God has called you to. This church is a place that buys fields that have harvests. So God will give you an increase in this season. Understand it's for a purpose. Will you align yourself to the purpose God has laid on your life? I don't want to be hard on you guys because if you're sitting here and you're not new and you came back here, if you're a second time visitor, you have already figured out, maybe they tricked you. They're like, oh, it doesn't ever go that long. Just maybe like three minutes less. Your friend lied to you. They had the best of intentions, slap their hand and then forgive them. When's it going to end? Soon. Jesus said that about when he was coming back also. Let me just say this before we move into some ministry and dismissal. Is this. I, I've been bragging on our church to a lot of leaders. I said, Ren, what's, what's going on with your church there? And I was like, oh, we break all the rules. I've been really breaking all the rules. And they're like, what do you mean? Every church marketing expert says, don't do this, I do that. 
He's like, don't go over an hour and certainly never go over 90 minutes. Okay, we're going to go six and a half hours now. I'm not breaking it by five minutes. If I'm going to break it, I'm going to break it real good. We're just like starting to get to the last song. Other churches are dismissed already. I'll break it real good. We didn't make it to the last song today. We didn't make it to the last song. I'll break it real good. And they're like, well, you know, summer, summer is a time where the attendance decreases. And, and I'm like, you know what we're going to do? And then during the summer, you, you need to cancel all the extra weekly stuff because people are on vacation and they're doing things. And, and so you won't have attendance during the weekly stuff. So cancel the, you'll focus everything on your Sunday, help your Sunday and, 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 and do real big, special, big events in summer that will get them to vacation at church. You'll get them into church and use summer as like a fun thing. That's where you do the fun stuff. So everyone has fun, you know, fellowship. We're just, we're, we're having fun as a family, doing Jesus stuff together. And, and do that, and, you'll, and I break all the rules. I'm like, we're going to do more stuff during the week in summer. We're not going to cancel nothing. And it's summer. Oh, then don't worry, the attendance will go down. Every pastor I know, it's okay, it's summer, guys. We all get in a little huddle, and we cry, and we remind ourselves, it's okay. It's okay. It's hot out. They're, they're just having fun in the heat and then it'll get really hot and they'll remember what hell could be like and they'll come back to church. They'll come. And then we're like, it's okay, and we all hug. That's what us senior pastors do at summer break. Except we don't cancel nothing and instead of shrinking, we're growing in the middle of summer and we're not keeping our services short and we're not keeping it seeker-friendly some of you came in as visitors and you're like, oh my gosh, they serious. Yes, we are. You don't have to be, but we're going to be. We're warring for people's souls. We're warring for people's health. We're warring for their literal lives. And I won't lose one because we didn't take it serious. If I lose them, it's his will, not that we didn't take it serious. I'm not willing to let go and give up on you. So when you're like, they take it serious, you remember there's going to be a day where you are in serious need of a Savior, in serious need of a rescuer, and you remember where we take that serious. I didn't come here so you could play church. I, I didn't ask you to come so you could pay church. came here so you could be the church you came here so you could see the church in action doing what it's called to do let us be a church like Paul that says whatever the cost good or bad whatever the blessing whatever the suffering I'm in sounds like a good time to me today's a good day to die Today's a good day to lay down my life and pick up my cross. To lay down my agenda and pick up his. To lay down my opinion and pick up my obedience to the word of God. So Lord, let us be people that lay down our opinion of the scripture. Our opinion of what you're like and pick up an obedience to you, God. To your word. To your will. Father.
let us chase the kingdom of God that we might be weaponized for the kingdom that we might see your glory and see the increase of your presence on the earth would you flood through us first would you come on us first that we might flood on them would you make us a living testimony and example hallelujah Jesus would you move on us would you move on us would your presence be on us this morning I hear the Lord just say the spirit of prophecy is in this room right now not for me to prophesy but for you to begin to receive revelation for your own life and your own walk I hear the Lord just say let my spirit land on you this morning and I'm going to give you the revelation you need I believe God is going to uniquely just begin to speak to you there's going to be a lighting upon your heart you say I don't know how to hear his voice I'm telling you there's going to be a stirring on you right now God is releasing a word on your life right now over you right now there is a stirring there's like a conviction coming on you right now in this convocation there is a conviction coming on you right now in this congregation there is a conviction coming on you right now that God is beginning to release a vision of conviction that's visionary for your future God is releasing a future over you right now and I believe he's speaking to you let the Lord speak to you and speak to your life right now there is a calling deeper some of you are being quickened where you're feeling the stir that says go deeper go deeper I want to go deeper I'm tired of the surface level I'm tired of this level whether it's the surface or just the level you've been at that calling you to go deeper right now in the name of Jesus I declare that deeper things are coming over you the spirit of prophecy is coming on you to speak mysteries to your future right now in the name of Jesus I release the blessing of knowing on your future revelation onto your future so that you can see what God is speaking to you for your life Some of you just need to stop playing. Stop, stop thinking church is about playing. Stop thinking church just wants you to pay. I give my tithes. You didn't give your heart. Some of you are getting called deeper. You feel that, that pull on your heart right now. If you feel that and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit on you right now to a deeper place, I'm not judging where you've been. Just you feel, I got to go. You could be on level 2900. I don't know. But God says 2901. And there's a conviction on your heart right now. Stand to your feet if that's you. If it's not, don't stand up. You say, I'm exactly the deepness God wanted me this week. I'm good. Then sit. It's okay. Of course you turn 29. I just want to. God's calling you deeper. I don't see the name. I see Ronald's son-in-law on the back. At 23, I became a leader in my church. At 24, I lost my brother to a car accident. He was driving a red sports car convertible. And it was Victor stepped away from the church. That's the word that you gave. So I bless that. that I believe this morning God is saying, I'm calling you deeper. Through the struggles, through the trials, through the setbacks, God is saying in this season... I'm going to call you to the deepest place possible. 
that God is going to use everything, every situation you have been in and every situation you are going in into his glory so that you can see the hand of God over every situation. Jesus was clear that in this world you'll have many troubles. I don't care if I have troubles. I just care that his glory shows up in them. I don't have a way away from them, so I might as well just have his glory show up in them. And the ones I can avoid, I'll avoid. The ones I can't, I'll go deeper in. I'll let them use me to show the glory of God in. So God, would you make us glory carriers? Would you make us a light? Would you make us a lightning rod for you? Would you send your spirit through us? Would you electrify and captivate and magnify yourselves through us to a lost and dying world? Would you let us capture the power of God so that we can release it onto the world? Would you make us carriers of your promises, obedient to your voice in our future? Lord, we declare that we are a people that will go deeper. We are a people that will not remain in the surface, God, but we will dig down. And when we've dug till we can't dig anymore, we'll go one more level deeper. The glory of heaven in this room right now. So I declare right now over you, the fire of God is resting on you. The power of God is coming on you. And there is a spirit of the living God coming on your flesh right now in Jesus' name. There is something landing, birthing, and releasing on you right now. I call out the spirit of God, the hunger, the remnant, the desperate for the living God, for the touch of Holy Spirit the tangible taste of God on your life for an encounter with the living God. Not a lesson, not a sermon, but an encounter with Him. In the name of Jesus, I call forth the Spirit of God on you for Holy Spirit to come, the kavod, the glory of heaven to rest on you right now. In the name of Jesus, come Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit, come. Fire from heaven, come. Consume those on the altar for you that have laid down their life, their plan, their agenda. Would you come with your fire and consume it? Consume what they are laying down right now. Where they're saying, Lord, I, I pick up your call and I lay down my plan. Would you lay that on your altar? Would you lay down your emotions, your feelings, your desires to the kingdom of God? Would you lay it down? Would you lay it down this morning? Holy Spirit, land, quicken, thicken, come. Let the wind of God. Rachel, I never finished giving you that word the other day about cooking I gave you a word the other day about you making food and I saw you I didn't know right I didn't see your hand waving over here and I, I think it's been relayed to you but I want to make sure because when I just said the word quickening God brought your face to me and he says um I can't remember the exact word I used the other day. Maybe your mom remembers it, the exact word. It was, uh, do you remember? What was it? Yell it. I can't hear you. No, culinary. But I said something about her stepping into it early, premature. That was the word that God gave me. You're going to step into it 
seemingly prematurely. Prematurely. Right, over the culinary stuff that God has released the favor of God on you. And I heard him say prematurely, and I'm like, that's a word that means like you shouldn't go early unless you're a Paul. Where the interpretation is don't do that because it's premature where God was saying do it. I felt very much the release of God that God was saying it's okay. Other people will think it's premature, but God's hand is on her. And so God's going to open up opportunity that seems premature and I don't want you to be afraid to step through those open doors and you say, but I'm still a kid. So what? So what? Bible days, 13 is an adult. Doesn't mean you can start talking back. <laughs> but it does mean what the world calls premature, God calls you mature in. And God's going to raise you up there and show you his favor because I feel like this. I feel like God is saying this. I'm going to show you my favor on you that my father's love over you in this area and you're going to see how passionate I am as the father your father your heavenly father how passionate I am over the way you cook and I almost hear Jesus saying like all I made was fish Jesus is passionate about the meal and bringing fellowship and he's passionate about your talent and he sees that talent that you have inside of you and he says he knitted you together with that talent and I feel like um, he says it was hard to erupt that talent to burst that talent out of you that it took a lot of of turmoil in your life to actually allow that to come out and the Lord says it was like it was almost like your distraction um, and God says, the turmoil released it. I didn't bring the turmoil, but he says, what's come out of you is beautiful. And he wants to see it increase in your life. And don't ever let anyone diminish that. You don't have to stand on, in the lights like I do to do amazing things for the kingdom of God exactly where you are. I'm not limiting your life at all. I'm saying... What God has put in your life right now, what God has positioned you to, is a kingdom assignment in that area. And don't think of it as a side task. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's interesting. The number 24 is 2 times 12, right? The disciples of 12. And I feel like there's, I felt like God was saying there's Elijah doubling that's happening in the room this morning. So it makes sense. There's an Elijah doubling happening in this room this morning. And so people are receiving double what they walked in with. And I believe it's landing on you and, and cultivating inside of you this morning. We want to pray for you. Send us a message with your prayer requests through Facebook or email and let us know how we can pray for you today. Also, let us know how this message impacted your life. I love you. God loves you. Shalom. Shalom.